0: and welcome to another episode of Careering, where we interview fearless females about what makes them tick, both in business and in life. I'm your host, Lori Halter, and I can't wait to have you here today's episode. Let's jump right in. Hey, Careering listeners, I'm so happy to have you back. Today, we're on with Michelle Benagin, who is the CMO of Roadster. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. You bet. Well, I'm just so stoked. You and I, uh, it's pretty recent that we've known each other, but we came together through a clubhouse that you moderate actually, that's called Inspiring Women in Automotive. And then hopped off, had a phone call and just realized that we could both talk for hours and hours and hours (laughs) and had to get back to work. So I'm really happy to have you on. You you shared with me so many things during that call that I want to jump right into today. Sounds good. Okay. So the first thing we talked about, we both share motherhood duties while we're working and have always had a career while we've had kids at home. So what do you think you've learned? Like, I know I personally have a ton of mom guilt. You and I have talked about this a bit in the past. You know, what would you say to moms who feel some mom guilt from pursuing their career while their kids are at home?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, you know, the, the mom guilt is real. I I, f- I think we all feel like we can't give anything 100%. Like this is internal to us, right? We feel right. like we're not giving our kids 100%. We're not giving our careers 100%. We probably don't feel like we're giving our spouses <laughs> 100%. But I actually, in, in talking to so many incredible women in this situation over time, have come to realize that that is in our head in reality, first of all, I think we give more to our careers than most people. And, and so the, the look on the other side of that glass is that we're giving like 300%. Right. And, you know, same with our kids. Like we, you know, I I was having this conversation with somebody the other day that, you know, we often put more into it when we can, because, Otherwise, like because of the mom guilt. Right. So, you know, like, for instance, I'll give a personal example with my kids. Their birthday parties are amazing. It's the only time I get. I am not a crafty person, but everything will match. Everything gets ordered on Etsy. I make the cake. I'm so
0: impressed.
1: (laughs) Right. Yes twice a year my <laughs> daughter and my son. <laughs> and and I think it's those things, those moments where we give everything we have because yes. we feel like we're not doing it all year long. So, so I think it is real, but so I don't discount that people feel that way, but I do ha- and have learned over time that we have to take a look in the mirror and realize that we're also being an inspiration. Right? Yes. And that they're looking at us and, and so much more during this last year, because they're literally home looking at us, right? Um, they
0: are literally looking at us. Literally,
1: <laughs> <laughs> literally looking at us. Um, they're, they're looking at what we're accomplishing, and they're being yeah. inspired by that. And so I think I and even my kids are young They're, you know, my daughter is is 11. My son is 12, soon to be 13. But I have talked to women that are a little bit their kids are a little bit older on the other side. And most of them will tell me that, they will have a conversation with their adult child who says you were such an inspiration. And so for me, I like, hold on to that. I like hold on to that desire, that hope and really try to have conversations with my kids about what they can do and what they can accomplish in life. So. I
0: love that. And my kids are 13 and 15 as well. And so, you know, they've grown up, like I said, with me working. And I remember like I went to a tea when my daughter was two and there's or I'm sorry, second grade, a Mother's Day tea. And they were supposed to like write a poem about what we mean to them. And and it was like all the other kids, it was like, I hear you, you know, and it was like they had to fill in the blanks. And it was like, I hear you singing softly to me. And mine was like, I hear you typing on your computer. I hear you talking to your clients. <laughs> And then, you know, at the same time i have shared with you and all of the listeners have probably heard the story in ad nauseum. My son like recently wanted to interview me on my, on this podcast and because he thought it was so cool that I was doing it. So there are, I think there are moments of both, right? There's moments where as a mom, you're like, oh, that was just a stab to the heart. And Mm -hmm. then those are followed up though, by these inspirational things you're talking about.
1: Totally, yeah, a hundred percent. And i I was talking to somebody last year, actually, who was telling me that their adult daughter wrote a whole blog post about what it meant to have watched her mother be oh. a person, and how that has in- inspired her and influenced how she's made her choices. And so, I just, I do truly believe that we're setting an example. You know, by being out there as hard as it is, my daughter used to get so upset every time I would leave to travel for work. This is pre pandemic, obviously. Yes. And and she would say, mommy, why do you have to go? Can't you send somebody else? Like it was heartbreaking. Yes, Right. But, but then it was always those moments too of, you know, how do you make connection while you're traveling to make it fun for them? Yes. But they, they also see the places you're going and they see the things you're doing and they see mommy on camera and or they hear podcasts like this, right? They, yeah. they, they get exposed.
0: So. Yeah, it really is neat. I mean, I think it's very cool. There's so many things I've seen in my own kids that they talk about maybe owning their own business one day or starting their own agency. And I don't know that they would have had the same thoughts or experiences. had they not seen me do it myself?
1: Right. Exactly. Yeah.
0: So moms out there, avoid the guilt. You're inspiring your children. This is what we're telling you. Exactly. Speaking about like the whole, here's the other thing we talked about. So speaking about, you know, being a voice for people, you and I are both in automotive. There's so many guys in automotive. (laughs) (laughs) I would say there's probably, I don't even know if anyone's done this study, but actually, I think, I think Fleming Ford of ESI actually has done a study. I think it's something like four percent of the automotive industry is female. So, tell me a little bit about kind of now. You've been how long have you been in automotive now, like career-wise? About fifteen years. Okay, so yeah, fifteen years. Tell me about how it's felt, how you have navigated that, what it's meant for you to be one of the only females in the room in most cases.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. So, I have a, I actually have a funny story about when I first got into automotive because. I, work, I worked at Edmonds for almost a decade um, prior to Roadster and when i first was interviewing there i remember having the thought even in my own head as like a consumer perceiving automotive like yeah. they hire women it was it was a funny thought in my head of like wow they're going to hire me into this role in automotive so there's definitely that stigma even you know going in but i think you know for myself i was very fortunate to work with companies that are extremely supportive and do give women voices which is not always, you know, the norm necessarily right. in our industry. And I think, really, you know, as I've gone through my career in automotive, what I've noticed is that you just need to make sure that your voice gets heard. And it's so hard. It is. It is so hard. And I do think, for me, it is a little bit of a personality. Like I do have a little bit of uh, diarrhea at the mouth. Maybe <laughs> is a good way to say
0: it. <laughs> like I, I, I speak maybe sometimes
1: before I think. But I think it's really important that we don't, you know, let our voices not get heard. And I think one of the very common things that I hear other women talk about is that they're in a meeting, they say something, the idea is not acknowledged, and then somebody else that has the same idea, and then it gets acknowledged. And I think it really is, A, it's, it's on us to make sure that we are vocal, that that was our idea, Yes. And two, I think we really need to pull in our, our sponsors in the room, our, our male counterparts, our champions to, to be aware of that and yes. speak up also on not just our behalf, but every female's behalf that maybe that's happening to like,
0: to just create that awareness, you know what I'm this saying? This is so, I just had a discussion the other day. In fact, in fact, this is one on, in one of the other podcasts where one of the women was saying, I was sitting at a table at a restaurant with a group of men who I know and know very well. And another man came in, it was a business dinner. At the end of the dinner, he went around the table and shook everyone's hand, skipped by her, continued around and shook all the guys' hands to say bye and left the room. And she was saying, for me, it wasn't necessarily that this guy ignored me. I mean, he shouldn't have ignored me. And she's a lot like us, like she is no shrinking violet she said, it's not that the guy ignored me, it's that the other men at the table who were my friends didn't even realize it was happening. And I thought that was so fascinating because that's true. It's, I I think it's almost like this blind bias that's going on right now.
1: Yeah, it is. I don't, and I, and I, you know, everybody, the benefit of the doubt, right? I don't think it's happening in most cases intentionally. It's just being, creating that awareness with everybody. So, anyways, I've, I've seen that throughout my career. And because I am a little, little loud, sometimes <laughs> a little more vocal the, over over the course of my career, I've, I've sort of taken on the responsibility of speaking up for other people when I see those types of things. And I think yes. that has meant a lot. I think, you know, as especially as my career grew, and, and I had children, and I, I just became a lot more aware. And I, you know, I got stopped in the hallway once, actually, this was like, maybe like 10 years ago or so. And somebody said, How do you, how do you do it? I'm like, what do you yeah. do what? They're like it all. Like you have kids <laughs> at home. You're you're here, you're an executive at this company. Like, how how are you managing to do? It? You make it look so easy. And that it was that moment where I realized like, hey, the responsibility is, is more than just myself. Like, you know, there are people, you know, around me that are looking at what I'm doing and you know whether it's good, bad, or different, there there's right. sense from that, and so you know I think that was really a defining moment for me. And so the first thing I did, by the way, is I diffused it because I don't want anybody to ever think that everything's perfect and so right. I I tend to tell people that you know my role at home is chief mommy officer, yeah, CMO so at work, chief mommy officer. At home. <laughs> but, but let's be clear, I don't run the roost like. You know, I, yeah. at the time, my kids were really little. I'm like, you should see me on a Saturday with the clips in my hair from my daughter, and my <laughs> right. son drawing on my legs. And yes. that's, that's real. And, and I said the same thing I said in the beginning, which is nobody ever feels like they're doing enough. So yes. you just need to you know, even, even I sit in that. But here, I'll give you some tips on on how to balance. And so I was able to help them think through, you know, when you are with your kids, be present. Yes. And when you're at work, be present and try to really make sure you have that focus time to be able to balance everything because you'll never feel like it's balanced, but that some strategies is to like, you know, I used to come home and I would just, I would just make sure that the, from the time I walked in the door to the time the kids went to bed, I was there for them.
0: Oh, I love that. And I think that being present is so important. You don't even, it doesn't even necessarily need to be a large block of time. I think if you're truly like, if your phones are away and your laptop's away and you really are just sort of sitting with your children and interacting with them, even an hour of that or a half hour of that a day can be so impactful.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and to be very transparent, I feel like I've gotten a little away from that during this pandemic when
0: well, it's because we're with our kids all the time. Like, I literally had a, a friend text me the other day, like, "Oh my gosh, this day is never going to end. Like, it just goes on." You know. So, I think, I think the thing is, we just are all around each other an awful lot right
1: now. Yeah, uh, yeah, totally. And but, anyways, back to your question from before, I think it really it's it's making sure that we have our own house in order that we we are having the voice that we are telling other people to have yes um, so we're walking yes. the walk and that we then are really helping other people navigate you know their careers and their situations and really being there for each other and and making sure that you call people there was a time I'll tell another funny story um and maybe the roadster team will be embarrassed by this but when early on and we were pretty small we were in an office up in San Francisco that shared a bathroom. It was one one bathroom one person. And wow. there were other women that worked in that office, not very many. And and so I, w- I went in there many times obviously throughout my my journey there and I finally came out one day and I was like, "You guys, put the toilet seat down." <gasps> and and I called it out because it's <laughs> <I knew> something <laughs> so small, but I was like, "Come on, put it down. There yeah. are women- this office and I and I stood up for it because <laughs> I was like, I, nobody else is gonna say something and I'm the most senior female in this room. So <laughs> if I don't say it, nobody else is gonna say it. And Meanwhile, yeah.
0: all the women at their desks are like, thank God someone finally said yeah. it. It was time for her, someone to finally say it. <laughs> so it's just being well, that voice, you know? Yeah, Well, you've, and I have talked, you've heard a lot of me go on ad nauseum about the, I am remarkable workshop from Google, but they talk about three things. They really talk Big time in that workshop about how we can be advocates for other women, and especially women that may be coming in underneath us who aren't as seniors. So, like, once you've reached a certain position, like you have, your CMO, you're a huge executive in that company. And so they talk about what we can do. And one of the biggest things is giving people the correct attribution for their ideas. So, exactly what you were talking about. And then also looking around the table, and if you see someone not standing up for themselves the way they should, you then become the person that stands up for them in that senior position. And I was trying to think the other day about times in my life where maybe I've done that. And, you know, it's tough. I run my own agency, but it's like, wow, I don't know if I've been great about doing that up until now. So it'll be something as we move forward. I, you know, I look toward, but I thought those two points were fascinating.
1: Just Yeah, I do. I definitely think they are. And I I think even just, you know, a lot of times what I will find with my team is just making sure that if they told me an idea one-on-one, yes, that it's about making sure that they get that credit when we're talking about it in a larger forum. Yes. Right. Yes, absolutely.
0: Well, and because I think again, with it, when you're in a senior, when you hold a senior position, people underneath you are going to feel nervous to, to stand up for themselves and say, no, that's my idea. So if you have someone who's willing to manipulate the situation in that way, it's really damaging. So I think other women at the table who can say, no, I don't think so. I actually heard that so-and-so came up with this idea Mm -hmm. is so helpful. So helpful. And here's, okay, this is going to be divisive. I didn't even warn you on this one, but this is from something we were in and I got in, I've been thinking about it ever since. I used to say this too. I used to say, I'm a guy's girl and say that a lot. Like I'm a guy's girl. I'm a guy's girl. And it's so interesting. The more, the older I get and the more united with women I feel, I actually, it kind of feels like a criticism to me now. You know what I mean? It's like, why aren't you a girl's girl? why can't we all be a girl? Why, why are we saying we're a guy's girl? So I don't know if you caught on to that or what your thoughts are on that, but I just yeah. the other day for the first time was like, why are we all saying we're a guy's girl? Why can't we be girls, girls?
1: Well, it came <laughs> up a little bit on clubhouse yesterday. Yes. I yes. said a couple people that said that they, for most of their careers felt more comfortable being friends with men than women. Yeah. So I definitely think that, that, that is a thing. And I, I, th- I think we, we've sort of bred it, if that makes sense, because there's yeah. some women that just are so competitive that they can't support each other. Yeah. And so that makes it tough. you know. And I I, I look back at that and, and think if I've ever been maybe in that situation, I don't think I was, I, I think I'm fortunate that I wasn't. But, yeah. um, but I do think that that's really like that competition that people get into is why people gravitate to Being more closer to men in this industry or in any industry than than women, and I think it's up to us to sort of take a step back and say, "Well, wait, like you are right now, right? But wait, why why do I think that? Why is that? Why am why am I not? You know, and and I don't think it's boys, you know, girls. How did you say it? Like Uh, a
0: girls' girl versus a boys' like they yeah girls versus boys girl or or whatever the saying is.
1: Yeah, but I, I think it's just can't we have a collection of people that are part of our lives? Can't we get along with everybody? And, right. <laughs> and I think that's that's like the, for me the takeaway. And and I, I think I've actually done a decent job navigating that. Like I have a lot of men in my life that are really good, you know, coaches and good friends. And you know, I brought Rudy Tune onto that club host uh, yes. a couple. He's he's a great friend of mine, um, an inspiration. But then I have amazing women in my life too, that have really helped define who I am and, you know, been there for me. So, but I don't know, I I get it. I get that, you know, like, oh, I really gel more with, with men than women syndrome. And I, I hope that we can continue to connect with other amazing women and sort of break that down. Lift each other up. Um, Yeah. Lift, lift everybody up. Like, you know, I do think, you know, we talk a lot about women and, and needing to be there for other women, but it's like, can't we just be there for, for everybody?
0: Everyone. Yes. No, I think, you know, and that's so interesting. Cause I have run into that a little bit with this hosting this podcast. A lot of people be like, oh, well, is it all against men? And it's like, oh no, no, no. This is about, this is about elevating leading women, which I'm all for the men who have helped us get to where we are. So I think there is that interesting like divide between, that. But yeah, the whole, that guy's girl the other day, I was like, this is fascinating. Some people are really pushing this envelope. And I feel like I did that more probably when I was younger. I actually used to say that. And the older I am and the more confident I am and the more like go women I am, <laughs> I'm now going to start saying I'm a girl's girl. <laughs> well,
1: I think it's bred, you know, I actually think it's bred very early on. Like yeah. I think about you're just making me reflect on my, my daughter right now and, and yeah. you know being in grade school, there's definitely, and I don't know, is the society, if we read this or not, but there's definitely that clicky, you know, a lot more cattiness competition that gets built up with in in that set of girls, then, you know, I I feel like the boys, especially having one of each are are completely oblivious to all that.
0: No, absolutely. I have one of each as well. And it's like fascinating how the girls, especially mature, I feel like so much earlier in that way, knowing how to sort of get a dig in there without people realizing it. It's yeah. And it happens early. It
1: happens. Yeah. So I I do feel like I could understand how it develops from an early age on. Right. So when you say, Oh, I was a a guy's girl. It it could have started there because there was so much friction that happened in our younger years that we were like, well, I don't know. I feel like this is a lot of cattiness. Maybe if I just kind of go over here, it'll be a little easier. So, I mean, and I think about that a lot with all this stuff, especially as having kids, like how do we influence it earlier? Yes. Because that's really where it all starts. It's like, you know, a lot of the, how do I see somebody like me kind of movement, right? How do I see somebody like me in a social situation, actually not being catty and getting along?
0: Right. Well, and wrapping back to what we were talking about at the beginning of the segment, like I think it's so cool that you have a boy and a girl because as important it is for our daughters, to, I have a boy and a girl as well. So as, as important as it is for our daughters to see us, I think it's almost more important for our sons to see us in leading roles.
1: Yeah, I agree. And I think yeah. it's because it's really defining how they view women.
0: Yes. Right, and that and that women can be strong and you know hold powerful positions and go after what they want and still be an amazing mom and wife and you know PTO party rocking amazing woman.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think it gets back to you know making sure that they're they're also the voice in the room, right? So in these early. Days when they can see that you have your career and that you're strong, and then they get themselves into those situations in their career later in life, and they sort of look around the room you know, my, my hope is that they're a little blind to there being anything like, you know, what's your opinion should be something they're asking all the women, just like they're asking the men because they grew up with it.
0: Yes. I love that. Well, I can't believe it. Our time together has come to a close, but I feel like that is the perfect way to end it. Like let's all work toward this guys, like work toward the day when our daughters will be at a boardroom table and are asked as often and are asking as often, what the other women on the table are thinking. Michelle, thank you so much for being with us. Of course. I, I enjoyed it anytime. And if people want to reach out to you, where should they go?
1: Oh, super simple. You can either email me at michelle at roadster.com. That's probably the, the easiest. Fortunate to work for a startup where it is my first name, but it is two <laughs> L's in Michelle. Or, you know, you can look me up on on LinkedIn or Twitter or all the amazing social media. But But that email address is a straight, direct connect.
0: So Perfect. And you can find Michelle, who's the amazing moderator of a clubhouse called Women Inspiring Automotive, part of the, I'm going to say this wrong, Automotive State of the Union series. And thank you so much for being on today.
1: Have a wonderful day.
0: You too.